world history. In fact, there's only one class I like less than history, and that's English. Well, ironically, now all I pretty much do is teach history and write sermons on a weekly basis now. So I, I in no way, shape, or form, use the two classes that I hated. However, suddenly Mrs. Wilson helped me see history in a whole new light because she taught history very differently than any other teacher I had had up to this point. You see, what Mrs. Wilson did was she dressed up on a weekly basis as whatever person in history we were studying that week. And so you have not lived until the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Abraham Lincoln is a short, stocky woman with a beard and a fake axe. That's what Mrs. Wilson did. She helped us understand the story, and we were entertained by the stories of history because of the extra effort she put into the class. Not only did she occasionally dress up as these different people in history, but she also would bring us to a point in history, set the scene where major decisions happened in usually democratic societies, and she would treat us like we were the United States Senate, or she would treat us like we were the council to the king or queen in Europe as they were about to make a big decision. She would set the scene for us, tell us what was going on, and she would try to help us as a class come to a decision. And so we would understand better the decisions those, those kings, those lawyers, those attorneys would make because we got to put ourselves in the story. She was great at making history relevant to us today, and she helped insert us into the story, which was something that we talked a little bit about last week. One of the great parts about what Jesus teaches is that he allows us to see exactly how we fit into different aspects of the story. And so we've been studying Luke chapter 7, and we're going to dive into Luke chapter 8 as well in the Gospel of Luke. And what's cool about this whole passage of Scripture, this whole section of Scripture, is it's all about faith. And each week we've seen faith play out very differently. And in the first week we saw that faith kind of dealt with who Jesus was and the idea of mercy and healing. In the second week we talked about how Jesus fit in with doubt and Jesus is who he says he is. Last week we talked about how Jesus is this great forgiver. This week we get to see ourselves inserted even more in the story because in the beginning of chapter 8 we see Jesus is talking in what's known as a parable. He is telling a parable, which is a type of story that is often told by Jesus that has some kind of hidden meaning, some kind of hidden agenda, something that was concealed deep down within the story that only the people who really wanted to understand would. And so as we continue navigating, who is this Jesus? What does faith look like in this story? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 4. If you don't have your Bible with you, if you've got your phone, you can scan. I'll throw the QR code up on the screen real quick for you to uh, scan, follow along in the notes. It's going to have all the scriptures available for you, all the notes that we're going to go through today. Highly recommend the QR code, or you can follow along on the screen as well as we continue into uh, this story. I'm going to start in verse 4. Here's what it says. And when the crowd was gathering and the people from town uh, after town had come to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow some seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a crop a hundred 
bold. And as he said these things, as he said these things, he called out, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Jesus tells this story that's all based around something that was very, very familiar with everybody who would have been in the crowd. Farming was something that was a regular part of life for almost everyone in this time in society. If you weren't a farmer, you probably knew someone who was. And they would have dinners that took hours and hours and hours to prepare each and every night. So I'm sure a lot of their conversation had to center around farming topics. This is what makes Jesus such a fantastic teacher because he uses this illustration, this metaphor of farming to help us understand a truth about the kingdom of God. And so everyone sitting in the audience listening to Jesus' words would have understand what he was talking about as he was going through this image of farming. Let's recap what he said in, the, in, in this story. First, he said that some of the seed that was sowed by this farmer fell along the path, but it was trampled and devoured. And notice within that story that it never grew at all. The keys in this story are the little details like that. The second one fell on some rock. It was probably some rocky soil or a rocky underlayer, and it withered away because even though it grew some, its roots did not go deep enough. And so it was blown away by the wind. The third falls among a section of the ground that included some kind of thorn, some kind of weeds, that even as the plant grew a little bit again, its growth halted because of the weeds around it pulled it, stopped it from growing. The fourth, though, fell on good soil. And the good soil, it says, this is going to be key later on, it says it grew 100-fold. So you see all of these little details and nuances that are different in each type of soil. Now, it's not based around any kind of percentage. This isn't supposed to tell us uh, that there's four different types of soil and 25% falls on this, 25 here, 25 here, 25 here. That's not how this works. But there are some little details we have to make sure we take note of. Three of the four types of soil did not yield any kind of crop. However, three did have some growth, but yet only one in the end, yielded true crops, and it did so a hundredfold. This was not just a lesson for the farmers. There's something deeper hidden inside that Jesus wants these people to understand, but there's a key phrase at the end of that verse. Notice Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Who does that entail? Who is he talking about in that moment? Well, I think that's, that, that question will bear out in the rest of this story and the rest of what Jesus says, because the people who had ears to hear were not just people who were listening, but people who had questions. And so look at what happens next in verse 9. The people who had ears to hear, the disciples and those who were with them, then go up to Jesus. It says, when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, here's what Jesus said. To you it has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So that the seeing, so that seeing may not see, and the hearing they may not understand. But the parable is this: the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. So all the different types of soil are all the people who hear the word of God. The first, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, and so they may not believe and be saved. The second soil, the ones on the rock, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root, and they believe for a while, but as the time of testing comes, they fall away. The third soil, and as for what fell among the thorns, 
They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast to it in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, Jesus brings the metaphor full circle for everyone to understand, and they would have because they understood farming. Now, do we have a lot of farmers in the room? If you're a farmer, can I see just a show of hands? One farmer. So two. You all were both really quick with those hands, so I'm not surely that you are convinced that you are farmers. So to better illustrate it for all of us who are not farmers, I have some voluntolds. If my voluntolds could come up for me right now or come out from hiding. There they are. All right, if you all will, I need a first soil person. Well done. I need a second soil person to stand roughly here. Don't pretend like you weren't assigned second soil. Get over here. Then I have third soil, perfect. And fourth soil, that's a poor choice, but we'll work with it. <laughs> All right, so again, in the first soil, we see that this person was a person who was not willing to receive the word of God because of maybe the questions that Satan had put in their mind, right? These are people who maybe had doubts, who weren't willing to understand, but it was clear that this person did not understand because of Satan. So... Pretend like you die because you don't know anything. Go ahead, just die. Thank you, well done. Perfect. This person, the second soil person, they, they fell along the path. Now, the path would have been really, really hard, solid ground. There's no way the seeds could have ever penetrated the really, really tough ground. So there was only one way that this seed could ever go. It would have to be thrown away and devoured, right? Well done. You've gotten heavier. Have you been working out? The, the, the third soil, the, these are the people that fall among the thorns, right? These are the people who were strangled and choked by the weeds around it. Weeds, thorns, go ahead. Not, uh, gentle choking, gentle. We need him still. <laughs> Not tickling. That, I've never seen a flower do that. And then finally, we have the good soil. In pure metaphor alone. Good soil. This is where the crop yields 100-fold. These are people who are prepared. They've heard the word of God, and they're ready to receive it. They're ready to obey it, and they're ready to take it into action. Thank you guys very much. You can have a seat. Give all of our voluntolds a round of applause. So we see this story play out very differently based on the people who are within it. Those in the first soil along the path. Uh, they never had any kind of growth because of the questions that were in their mind because of Satan. Those who fell on the rock withered away and were, were tossed away because they didn't have enough faith. Their faith did not go deep enough when they faced the trials of life. The third fell among the thorns and were strangled because they were chasing after things in life that maybe they thought were more important, things that they held at higher value than the gospel, than the word of God. These are the people who may be chased after uh, the riches, the wealth. They, they wanted all the great things life had to offer, and therefore they were distracted from the words of God. They put those ahead of, their, of the priorities that God had laid out for them. And then finally, the good soil, the people who listen. What's crazy is, as Jesus is telling the story to the crowds of people, 
there's probably different segments of the population listening to this message that represent all the different points of the soil. There's, there's first soil people, second soil people, third soil people, fourth soil people. They're all hearing this word that Jesus is giving to them. And as they're hearing it, the people in the first, second, and third soil are having a hard time understanding it because their ground, their heart, is not prepared to receive it in the correct way. So what's great is as we see this story play out for all the different types of soil, is Jesus, luckily, we, we have these words explained to us through the words of Jesus. We can now put ourselves in this story as well. We can find our place in this scripture. And there's so many uh, great nuances of where we can put ourselves in the story. But it all centers around one major question. If we're trying to figure out our place in this story, there's one place we have to start. And it's a place that we've talked about before as a church. It's a question. Are you making disciples? Because if you answer yes to that question, you are one segment of the story. If you're not making disciples, you are another segment. So for those of you who are, you're, you're helping other people advance in their walk with Christ. You're sharing the word of God with new believers. You're teaching believers what they should obey. You're helping the obedient then become servants, and you're teaching servants of Jesus to become messengers of the gospel and the word of God as well. If you are doing that, then you're the farmer in this story. Jesus was the farmer as well. Jesus was telling the crowd the word of God so that they might believe and understand if you are making disciples, you are the farmer in this story. You are spreading the seed everywhere you go. You are the sower. But what stinks about being the sower is sometimes the people you tell the word of God to, sometimes it doesn't fall on the best soils. Sometimes the seed that you sow falls on a hard walking path where Satan has just filled somebody with so many questions, they're not sure what to do with what you're telling them. Sometimes it falls in the ground where people start to believe and they have a little bit of faith, but then the world just hits hard. Satan uses life to just pull people away from the word of God. Or sometimes as you're telling people about Jesus, it falls on the rocky path, and, or I'm sorry, it falls on, into the thorns and the thistles and the weeds, and they're choked after all the things they're chasing after in life. It becomes hard to be a disciple maker when every time you try to spread the word of God, it doesn't always stick. But what's great about this story and what I, I think we can be a little bit encouraged by what this story tells us is we don't need to be discouraged if everyone isn't receptive to what we're sharing. Some people just aren't ready. If you're a farmer, as we've already identified, many of you aren't, you would know that soil, even though it may not be good right now, can be changed. It can be prepared in such a way that it will one day grow some type of crop if it is taken care of in the right way. And so even though you might find yourself discouraged that you've told people about Jesus, you've invited people to church, you're trying to help them move from one chair of discipleship to the next, you might feel discouraged, but notice you may not be the one that moves the person from one chair to the next because they might be stuck in the wrong patch of soil. 
And so your job, yes, it could be to help cultivate that soil, help the people realize uh, their priorities are out, are out of line. You could help people realize that they just need to be a little bit stronger in the faith as they endure this crazy life that we're a part of. That can be your job as the cultivator. However, don't get discouraged when it doesn't work every time. There is good soil out there. Like I said, it's not 25% of people like this story seems to tell. You're not going to have one in four people accept the words of God. That's not what the story is trying to say. But there are people ready to listen. Their hearts are prepared and want to know more. But the question that I've always had after reading this passage of Scripture, and one that I've still struggled with up to the last couple of years, is how do you find the fourth soil people? How do you know what kind of soil you're dealing with as we're walking through this story? Because obviously, if we want to be really, really good farmers, if we want to be really, really good disciple makers, we want to find those fourth soil people and invest as much time as we possibly can into those fourth soil people. But they're hard to identify. I went, I went to a Bible college for, I went to one for two years, another for three years. So a total of five years. I was a professional Christian for five years. And I still had a hard time figuring out who was in the fourth soil. Who were my fourth soil people? And so I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to bring you along in 10 years of learning what fourth soil people look like. I can sum it up in two things. I've, I've invested in first, second, and third soil people, but I've also seen a few fourth soil people. And there's something different with the fourth soil people that the other three don't have. Two things. How do you find fourth soil people? First, look for people who are willing to ask questions. Fourth soil people want to know more. Fourth soil people are curious. They're, they're looking to obey something, but they need to know what that is, so they're always going to ask more questions. I told the story last week about a student that I had who liked to ask a lot of questions. She, in fact, had a notebook where she wrote down question after question after question after question, and Rob and I have spent hours upon hours upon hours reflecting on those questions and helping answer those questions. There are people that you deal with in life, maybe it's at your office, maybe uh, they're in your neighborhood, they're people you interact on a regular basis that ask lots of questions. You know these people might be fourth soil people because they're curious. They want to talk about it. They want to know more. The second thing that we see with fourth soil people is you look for people who are consistent. If someone is showing up on a regular basis, if someone is always there who's always present and always is looking to know more, it's not just an every now and then thing, it is someone who is always curious, you know that this is a fourth soil person. This is a person you want to invest a lot of time with. This is someone you want to, to push further. You want to help make from one chair to the other when it comes to the four chair, four chair discipleship. We want to be disciple makers, and we need to recognize, first off, not to, dis not to get discouraged when our, the, the seed we are sowing falls on bad soil, but we also do need to look for the four soil people and prepare people uh, as they are fourth soil people. But some of you may have a different answer to the question, am I making disciples? If the answer is no, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. It's not a bad thing that you're not making disciples yet. Maybe you're just not at the point where you're ready to make disciples yet. And if that's you, this story is a little bit different. 
because it's going to put you in a slightly different place for what you were supposed to do when you hear this message. If you want to be someone who has ears to hear, we need to look at the story a little bit differently because you're not the farmer yet, but you probably strive to be. If you're just hearing the word of God for the first time today, if you're just hearing the gospel of Jesus and you're, you're, you're just learning that God so loved the world that he, for, he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If that is you and you don't know Jesus yet, then you're not ready to be the farmer and that's okay. You need to prepare yourself to be good soil. And so for some of you guys in here today, the reason you're not ready to be the farmer yet is because you have to prepare your soil correctly so that you can actually grow. Remember the details of the story. The first soil person did not grow at all because their questions, their doubt that Satan had sown in their mind was so big, so major, so overwhelming that they weren't even willing to believe in the first place. The second, notice the second soil person did have some growth. But because their faith was weak, their roots did not go deep at all, they did not have the ability to sustain for a long period of time. So for some of you guys, you may be in this segment of soil where your faith just isn't deep enough yet. And if you find yourself in that, don't be frustrated that you're in that point. Just find a community of believers that can help cultivate your soil correctly. A group of believers that can help encourage you through faithfulness in order to grow closer to Jesus. If you find yourself in that third soil, then there's probably just some things in your life that you've got to start to weed away. What do you do with weeds? You have to get rid of them. As someone who had to spend a lot of time helping my mother weed through her garden and help remove a lot of weeds, there's no way to deal with them other than to pull them up by the root and get rid of them. So if you find yourself in the third soil, maybe you've grown to a certain point in your life as a Christian, but you've stopped growing, you've plateaued, you're stuck in one spot, then it's probably because there's some things in your life that need to be uprooted and removed. It could be friends. Uh, it could be like exactly what the story says, where there's some things in the world that have taken your attention and you're more worried about those things growing than you are about your faith in Jesus. So we have to uproot the weeds and the thorns. We have to first, if we want to become a disciple maker, identify the soil that we have. If you're in one of the first three, you've got to take steps towards moving to a place where your soil can be cultivated. But the second thing we've talked about before, you've got to start spending time in community with other Christians. The third thing you've got to do is begin serving. And then the fourth is you have to start having spiritual conversations with the people around you. You've got to start actually having spiritual conversations around questions, comments, whatever it might be, you've got to look for ways to bring up in each and every chance the gospel of Jesus, the words of God. That's how you become a disciple maker. You start to have spiritual conversations in regular everyday life. Because if we're being honest, all of us at some point would like to get to heaven where we can spend eternity with Jesus. And probably more important than that, we want to bring as many people, family, friends, relatives, whoever it might be, we want to bring them with us. We want to be with all of our loved ones in heaven one day. And so we want to be disciple makers because we want to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. Now, I've read through all this, and, and I've hopefully been able to help, you, help you place yourself in this story. 
But what's funny is it's still not even the main point. You would think it is because we've talked about the farmer and his role in spreading and sowing seed. We've talked about the seed represents the Word of God. We've talked about all the different types of soils and what they all represent. But it's still not the main point in the whole story. Yes, you've probably got something you could work on just based on what we've read so far. But I want you to realize, even if you've grasped the idea that your main purpose in life is to make disciples, the main point of this story is still not that. Because you are not the hero of this story. You never have been. You never were, you never will be, and you aren't right now the hero in this story. The farmer is not the hero in this story. Believe it or not, this, this farmer is basically negligent in the way he's sowing seed. For, for my two farmers that are here, you would never farm like this man farms or this woman farms. What you would do is you would prepare your land properly. You would know not to sow seed on hard path. You would know to remove the rocky ground that seeds could grow on. You would know to remove the thorns before ever sowing any seed. And if there was land like that, you wouldn't sow seed there to begin with. This is a horrible farmer. And the people listening to Jesus' words would have agreed this guy might just be stupid. Why would anybody in the world farm like this? Well, it's because it's actually supposed to show the amazing power of a faithful God. Notice, I said it at the very beginning, the key point in this story is what happens in the fourth soil. It grows 100-fold. Now, if you don't know what farming yields are supposed to do, a, a typical yield is supposed to be from 5 times to 15 times. 5-fold to 15-fold. A good crop would be considered 10-fold and measured up beyond that accordingly. So the fact that a single patch of land yielded a hundredfold is meant for us to be known that a, it's a legendary crop that is only possible through the blessing of God. And so even if you are a disciple maker who's identified the right type of soil in a person, even if you've had spiritual conversations with them, you can actually not be great at any of those things. And still we see people come to know Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit and our God. The main hero of this story is still our Father in heaven. The farmer is barely a vessel bringing the seed to many different plots of land in this story. The true hero is Jesus, because Jesus is the faithful cultivator. While we're called to make disciples, while we're called to do everything we can to be the hands and feet of Jesus, yes, we are the one that brings the word of God to the different types of soil people. At the end of the day, there's only one person that can make the seed grow, and it's not you. Any good farmer knows that the best thing you can do is prepare the land, plant the seed where it needs to go, and pray. Because the truth is, you can do everything on your part. But if the rain doesn't come, if the soil isn't fertile, if the sun doesn't shine, that plant will never grow. It is truly up to God, even just in a farming metaphor, what plants grow and what plants don't. It is purely up to the Holy Spirit whether they have truly prepared the hearts and minds of the listeners. Now again, we don't need to be discouraged because you may be the first a person to, to sow your, your seed in a new believer, 
You may be the person who tells somebody the word of God for the first time, but it may not be the last. Their soil may not be ready yet. God is still cultivating that person. But recognize, it's because it's his job. He is the true cultivator. To bring this all to a head, I think we've honestly got to go back to John the Baptist because I think he helps us understand our role in this the best. You see, as John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus to come, he was doing everything he could to preach correctly. He was giving his best. He was telling everybody exactly what they needed to hear. He was preparing for the kingdom of God to come. And as that happened, he recognized, as Jesus came into the story, there's one truth that needs to be taken away. And he says it in John chapter 3, verse 30. He says this simple phrase, and it's something that honestly each and every one of us needs to live by. He must increase, and I must decrease. John the Baptist knew that there came a point in his ministry that he no longer needed to carry forward the word that the kingdom of heaven is near because it arrives in its fullness through Jesus. So it's at this point he knows that Jesus has to increase. and He's got to step back. And the truth is, if you want to be the best disciple maker you can possibly be, you've got to allow Jesus to increase and for you to step back. Yeah, you can sow the seed, you can prepare the ground, you can spread the word of God. But if it's up to me, the way I've seen discipleship work best is if I just let God prepare the way. Send me the four soil people is what I ask God to do. Put me in a place, give me the courage just to bring up any kind of spiritual conversation with those people. Uh, I constantly go forward with God in prayer, asking him to be the leader in the disciple-making process. And so my prayer for you guys this morning is going to be this. Step back. Let Jesus take the lead. If you want to fulfill your purpose, like we've talked about, if you want to be a disciple-maker, you don't have to do a lot of the work. Just follow the lead of Jesus. Be obedient. Jesus is the faithful cultivator. Let me pray for you. Lord, I, I'm so thankful uh, to be able to come before you this morning, Lord, because I, I know at some point in my life I've, I've been in each plot uh, of the soil that you've told about so many years ago. But Lord, I, I am thankful that you remain faithful especially with me through the process. And Lord, I, I pray for our church uh, and everyone gathered here that they too uh, might be able to just feel the faithfulness that you've brought on with each and every one of us, that you've been merciful with us at different times. You've, you've been able to heal us at different times. You've been the answer to our questions. But God, I pray if, if there's people here today who are just struggling with their faith, Lord, I pray that you will come through and show your great faithfulness. Lord, I pray that you will uh, just show up in each and every person's life, that you will guide them in the disciple-making process. I pray, Lord, that you will put people in the paths of everyone here so that they might come to know you a little bit more, that we might just be the hands and feet that lead somebody new uh, to full faith in you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give us boldness as we go forward looking for these people. Uh, I pray that you would give us courage to start spiritual conversations. 
Um, but Lord, I, I pray most for humility for each and every one of us. That we recognize that all we really need to do is step back and let you work. And so God, that's, that's our ask this morning. Just please work in this place, work in this congregation, work in this, this city, Lord. We believe you will. We lift uh, this church and this city to you, Lord. And it's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.